Welcome to Campfire Football. I'm Sebastian North. This is episode 60. It's for all the marbles now. So as the European season draws to a close and we approach the final day, the final weekend in most leagues, there's still actually a lot to play for all over the place. It's kind of incredible how many of these storylines over the last few months could have sort of come to a close earlier, but they've dragged on to the point where we now have a decision day this weekend where everything is going to be sorted out once and for all. Champions are going to be made, relegation is going to be confirmed, Champions League spots, and fans are coming back into the ground. I mean, it's so fitting to be able to say goodbye to this 2020-2021 COVID era season. So as we hang the portrait that depicts these times, let's enjoy one final push before we all look back and say, wow, that was a special time. And look, it was a special time. This whole, it was definitely special. For sure, painful in a lot of ways. But just seeing fans in grounds over the last week at different games has been just such a joy. It has, it has been what football has been missing. Okay, We've all been able to watch it. The leagues have been going on. We as fans, being only able to watch it from on television from afar, have been able to at least keep up with everything we want. But... Let's be honest, once you hear the chance, once you hear things like Mike Dean is a wanker over and over by the Chelsea fans, you just realize why, why it's so lovely to watch a game with a, with a crowd. And we, it's not that we've ever not known that, but man, it really feels good. And, and there is something about next season, potentially full stadiums, this is all going to be behind us. And it's going to be a really interesting time because a lot of teams either suffered massively from this or were able to have some kind of success. So why don't we go ahead and start with some of our champions? First of all, I have to give a massive set of props here to the Barcelona ladies. Barcelona ladies, um, the Femini, they absolutely trounced Chelsea 4-0 in the Champions League final. I, look, I have to say, Chelsea, I watched the highlights. I didn't get to see the actual game. I heard that Barcelona were pretty much dominant and just better. But also the goals Chelsea gave up were your absolute nightmare scenario. You have some crazy weird own goal at the beginning, an iffy penalty, and within eight minutes you're you're down 2-0. In 20 minutes you're down 3-0 from a beautiful goal, and then it's over, right? I thought Emma Hayes did a really, really nice job of, of you know, just being a gracious loser and really understanding that this is a building process. This team got this far, this Chelsea team got this far, you know, based on a long, long process. And this Barcelona team has gone through a lot of that process and now showed just how incredible they are. Barcelona have only lost or have only lost one game this season and they've only drawn one. Other than that, it's all wins. It's big wins. It's a lot of clean sheets. I mean, this is a team that has been so well-oiled as a machine that it, 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 a Chelsea side was going to need to be absolutely spotless and perfect to beat them. And I, I, I've talked a lot about Emma Hayes, praised her an enormous amount. But I want to give some uh, some love to Luis Cortes here. Um, this is the coach of the Barcelona Femini team, and he played for Leda in the Spanish second division. Uh, and coached extensively uh, once his career ended at the female youth sides a lot in Catalonia, U12s, U14s, U16s, U20s. And he was actually brought into Barcelona on the women's staff of the team to be a video analyst, essentially. In 2017, that's what he was brought on, video analyst. By 2019, he was actually put in charge of the squad as manager, and what he has done to help take them this extra level over the last three years, the work is incredible. So 
huge props to Barcelona Femini. I don't think very many people really considered them favorites going into the final, which I personally did, having watched Chelsea struggle to get to to the final and seeing how easy, easily Barcelona manhandled Man City. I figured, okay, Chelsea's probably going to struggle in this game. But the way they won it was really impressive. So big tip of the cap to them, and it sets a new standard for, for the women's game. I mean, and every time a new standard is set, you see it grow and – Look, I mean, if you listen to um, a lot of the interviews that these women said, they were like, this is for the next generation. This is for them. This is why we do it. And really lovely. So another feel-good story has to be Leicester winning the FA Cup, right? I mean, look, as a Chelsea fan, obviously I would have preferred that Chelsea win. But at the same time, maybe not. Because Leicester are this, like, people's club, right? Ever since they won the title back in 2015, 2016, you've just gotten this feeling like, Man, like, you just have to love and adore what they do. Obviously, we all know about how great their transfer policy has been for years now. Everything just keeps on working. They're basically like the people's club. So, you know, it, it, everyone loves just the entire story of Leicester. And it's beautiful because the ownership is clearly solid. There's a great relationship from top down in that club, a great culture. They have a really, really good manager. And honestly, I just hope Leicester can just keep their squad together, add a few pieces. I hope Spurs don't go and heist Brendan Rodgers. I don't I don't see the reason for him to leave at the moment because he's just building his stock more and more and more. And he's just going to be able to do more with this team. So kind of funny, funny though, If you, I mean, I'm giving them a lot of praise for their culture. Daniel Amarty throws the Chelsea pennant. I don't know if anyone saw that. And... Um, yeah, Antonio Rudiger really did notice that and take issue to it. And the Chelsea players showed in in their revenge grudge match against Leicester in the league a couple days later that they really didn't like that. And they were hyper-motivated by that. So, look, Leicester, you got to love them. Give it to them. They win an FA Cup first in their history. This is a truly big moment for a club like that. So, okay, Juve, they overcome Atalanta in the Coppa Italia final, something that I was genuinely surprised about. I thought Atalanta would... Even if Juve were leading or drawn at halftime, I still thought Atalanta, with the way they play, how physical they are, how fit they are, that they would actually make it happen. But Juve, and this is a really interesting thing because Andrea Pirlo might be getting the sack really soon here. I don't necessarily think it makes that much sense. I think give him another season to try and do the project that he wanted to do um, and get the players that he really wants. And the reason why I say this is because Federico Chiesa, Weston McKinney and Dejan Kulusevski are three players who are a big part of his idea for the future. And all three of them were magnificent against Atalanta and were the game winners. So, hey, I know a lot of people would like to see Pierre Logan because they would think someone else should come in. But, look, Juve are a club who have a really deep squad and maybe, just maybe, selling on Ronaldo and bringing in two or three exciting young players who are you know, smashing ceilings all over Europe. I mean, they'd be happy to go to Juve and you may not have to pay as much for them. So uh, yeah, I, I love the way these three have, have come into the team, how much dynamism they've given them energy. And I, I would like to see Pirlo stay and get, get, let's see, let's see what he can really do. Let's see what he can really do. Give him one more year and see what he can really do. So Juve, congratulations, beating Atalanta 2-1 in the Copa Italia fina, final. And um, yep, congrats. But also Atalanta, we have to congratulate them for what I believe they've done is seal a Champions League spot for next season, which is huge. 
another one of those clubs just like Leicester that we just adore what they're doing. They find deals across Europe and create international stars. Robin Gosens, I think, was bought for less than a million uh, from Heracles. And he came into this team like three, four years ago. This year he got his debut for Germany. It's an amazing story. And then it just keeps on going for Atalanta and Gianpaolo Gasparini. So I really, really hope that there's they can do it again next season, maybe challenge for the Scudetto and go deep in the Champions League and ruffle some feathers. I would love that. Also, I, I was trying to keep you guys up to date on what was happening in the Turkish League. Well, what a final day. Besiktas get a 2-1 win to just barely get over the line past Galatasaray. End up winning the title by one goal of goal difference, just one. And that, that's the separator in Turkey. They won a game a few weeks ago, 7-0, and that was really the title-winning match for them in the end is what you kind of look if you look back. Got to give some credit to Rangers for actually finish this, finishing their season invincible, something that does happen from time to time in Scotland. This isn't like the first time ever, but still an amazing feat. And unfortunately for Sporting Lisbon, who were so close, so close to going the whole season unbeaten, they fell to Benfica away 3-2. No shame in that, but would have been pretty cool for Sporting to, to actually get all the way through the season without without a single defeat. That would have been great considering they just won their first title in 19 years to wreck the Porto Benfica dynasty. Another another cup, PSG win the Coupe de France with a pretty easy game against Monaco, to be honest. Monaco just shot themselves in the foot with some horrible build-out play and just big mistakes. PSG kind of easily went 2-0. Where it's all going down is in the league this weekend for them. So, on to the title races. LOSC, Lille, they need to win against Angers. That's it. All they got to do, straightforward. Win the game, you win Ligue 1, you win the French League. Because PSG, I think, are playing Mets, and that's not going to be hard. PSG are most likely going to win. A draw for Lille will not cut it. Obviously, a loss won't either. They must win. If they do that, they take the title. Atleti are in actually the exact same position with Real Madrid just two points behind. And... All they need is a victory on their final day. I believe they play Real Valladolid. And if they take care of that, it is over. We have Atleti as title winners once again, which would be really great. I mean, the game that they had against Osasuna was unbelievable. I I wish I would have been able to watch that because I saw the highlights. And I got to say, I really love what they're doing in uh, in Spain and Italy with the cameras that they – they're using, they're tightening up the aperture so that you get a really nice, beautiful HD clear view of the players, but everything that's going on in the background is blurred out. So when they were videotaping Simeone's speech during that hydration break, when they were one nil down and basically two points behind Real Madrid and losing the title, you got this shot and Simeone's there trying to calm his players down. You could just, oh, it was really good. I love the production value. You could sense a lot of intensity and then give Simeone some credit. Because with a little hydration break like that, he calms his team down, fires them up at the same time, and they go out and win 2-1 to get one step away from the finish line. And I have to say that I am so excited that Atleti might win the league this year because Real Madrid and Barcelona have not been good. But it would suck if they were both bad and one of them still won the league. Someone else has to just do that and break it up. Even if Atleti have not been amazing, they've at least been the most impressive and solid of the three teams. So that's why. Um, yeah, the live tables on Sunday for these two leagues is going to be really, really interesting. Who's winning at what time? Because, you know, if if one game's at 1-1 and if Real Madrid are winning and Atleti are drawn, that's it. The title changes. So it's going to be very, very interesting. 
uh, excited for the tension, but also terrified because me as a Lille fan, I'm going to be I'm I'm going to be a whole hot mess when they're playing against uh, Angers. So we'll see the race for the Champions League spots in England, France, and Italy. And they're all going down to the wire still. Juve are still trying to get in there. Liverpool, Leicester, Chelsea are all in a situation where any one of them could go out on the final day. In France, the Champions League spots, it's, it's, it's up to Lyon and Monaco now to duke it out, which is huge. I mean, these are two big teams. Which one's going to be in the Europa League? Which one isn't? I think, man, in England, that Allison Becker header. Uh, wow. Unbelievable. I remember, so I was coaching a soccer tournament out in uh, Grand Junction last weekend, and... I went to go get my phone and it was about to, the battery was about to die, but I quickly checked what the scores were in the Premier League. And I saw this thing that says Allison Header at the death wins it for Liverpool. And I told a few of the kids, a few of the players, and, and one kid was like, I cannot believe it. I cannot believe it. He's a Liverpool fan. And he was like, this is the greatest day. 14-year-old kid just being super stoked. It was hilarious. But, I mean, what a moment that is. And you kind of get the feeling like that that kind of thing happens to get you that extra that extra little bit of the way. It's just one of those moments that just gives you that feeling like, yeah, you're destined to get it. So, yeah, I mean, amazing goal by Allison. I do have to say, though, what, uh, I mean, West Brom, anyone care to mark the Allison, the bear, Becker? An absolute monster. He's like six foot four. He's strolling into the box. You know this guy can actually play football. The guy's Brazilian, right? He's already great with his feet and everything. Someone go stand next to him, for goodness sake. I mean, they, they, they didn't mark him at all. So, great header, amazing goal. But still, still, West Brom, come on. Um, <laughs> in other headlines, Harry Kane told Spurs he's ready to leave. Uh, we'll see about that. I don't really don't know if that's going to happen because Harry Kane's got three years left on his contract. Not that many clubs could actually afford him necessarily. So, it's going to be interesting. Right now, apparently, City are the front runners, which is interesting. That puts them out of the race for potentially Erling Holland. Of course, we don't really know with all this stuff. I don't like getting into transfer speculation because it's nothing but a bunch of stuff happening behind the scenes that we know nothing about, really. But another big piece of news was Karim Benzema recalled by Didi Deschamps to the France squad. Wow. Now that is, I, I'm impressed. I'm impressed because I think it is absolutely the right move. I think the fact that he was banned in the first place well, didn't really make much sense. If you go ahead and you look into what actually happened between him and Matthew Valbuena, it's not as cut and dry as people like to think. And I don't really want to get into it on here because it's a whole story. I definitely recommend you go and check it out yourself. There's also a documentary on Netflix called Le Cas Benzema. Yes, it's in French. If you speak French, go ahead and watch it. If you don't, turn on the subtitles. It's really interesting. gives you the perspective and tells you a little more about who he is. Because Karim Benzema, he's a player who deserves glory with France. At this, you know, I mean, I, I think you, or at least something close, because he was basically the stopgap after the the ninety eight two thousand generation sort of started to fall apart in in six. He was gonna be in 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 oh eight two thousand twelve. The next few tournaments, he was gonna be the standard bearer for the team and the leader. And instead, it went the other way. And we haven't seen him for years. So it's really nice to have him back. I'm really excited. And it gives France just an extra layer, an extra possibility. What I do find weird, though, from Deschamps is to not include Amérique Laporte or even just give him three minutes of one of the three matches that you had him on the bench for all that time ago. I mean, lock him in. Lock him into being a France international. Now the guy's apparently going to choose Spain. So 
look, I don't know. I, 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 for him, it's do as you please. I mean, he played a, long, a lot of his career in Spain. He was sort of overlooked in France as a center back, went to Spain, became really successful there. And even while he was being successful in Spain, he never really got a look in the France squad. It wasn't until he was at Man City, which, unfortunate, right? And look, here's a weird one. This is a very sad but strange development. This is something I read this morning, is that very wild development in the Diego Maradona death case Seven of the medical professionals involved have now been charged with simple homicide with eventual intent. Now, I'm not exactly sure what that means exactly based on Argentinian law, but whoa, that is really serious. Basically, it's a step beyond manslaughter is what I I can kind of understand. This isn't just like accidental. Apparently, this is, you know, one of the worst scenarios you can see of gross malpractice and apparently that the doctors they acted in and quote in an inappropriate deficient and reckless manner with the life of Diego Maradona I don't understand what this one's all about are these like diehard river plate fans that just can't get over something from 40 years ago I don't know but keep your eye on this one it's it's unfortunate but it would be good to know if Diego was if this was just some accident or not and you know, I mean, I'm not really looking for people to get punished here, but but his death was a big deal for the for a lot of people, especially everyone in Argentina. And truth helps with closure. So hopefully, hopefully we get some kind of news that's that's somewhat positive from this. It doesn't sound great at the moment. So yeah, whew, I mean, what a season, what a year, what an 18 months. I mean. I want to recap things a little bit more in totality next week. Sort of really bookend everything that we've sort of been through in a way. And I don't want to go into all of it. But I do want to sort of mention what happened. What did we learn over the last year and a half? And now what's the path forward? In addition, please check out the latest episode uh, that I did with Mark Dillon of The Talent Project. That's episode 59. I was really, really stoked on it. It was an inspiring interview for me. Uh, he runs a, an academy in Germany that helps American kids get there and get exposed and be able to train at the highest level possible. So big thanks to Mark Dillon for that. Please check out that episode. And also go ahead and check out the Soccer Subs podcast. I've mentioned them before. Love their program. They were gracious enough to invite me uh, and Kevin from the Lads pod- podcast to do a collaborative episode on the Champions League final and talk a little bit about that. It was a blast. I had so much fun. And I'm really grateful to them because they run a program that, to be honest, from my opinion, these guys are killing it. Like, they have talked to many, many MLS stars, coaches, uh, high-level broadcasters. Their show is absolutely worth the listen. So I want to say thanks to them from here, from here at Campfire Football, on my mic. Thank you guys at Soccer Subs so much for the opportunity. It was a blast. Hope to do it again sometime. And... uh, yeah, I mean, this is this is the exciting time. This is the end of a season. We are one weekend away from the finality of the leagues, and then we've got to get through the two European Cup finals. And then summer comes. The Euros, the Olympics, Copa America. But life is going to be different. Somehow life is going to be different in the post-COVID era, and all I can hope is that it's an enjoyable time for all of us. Thanks so much. This is Campfire Football. Have a great weekend.